Hello, and welcome to the episode two of the Lebanese Politics Podcast. I'm Benjamin Red. I am joined by Nizar Hassan. And Nizar, we have got 13 days until the I election. Know. That's very exciting. Less than two weeks. Oh, my God. This really gets us excited. But actually, the, the election is uh, is starting before 13 days, right? We, we've got... Uh, we have the diaspora voting on the 27th in six Arab countries and on the 29th in 34 other countries. All right. So this week, people will actually be casting their ballots. That's true. That is nuts. So we are down to the wire. So uh, t- tell me as well, though, like uh, there's lots of stuff going on with like the, the just the campaign and everything. You walk down the street and there's all these billboards, there's all, like, you can't live in Lebanon right now without knowing that a, a massive election is taking place, right? Correct. All the political parties are heavily involved in very wide campaigning, a lot of visuals in the streets, as you're saying, a lot of media coverage and non-traditional media coverage as well, focusing on individual, like, candidates and party leaders and their, like, non-political side in return for a lot of money, obviously, but that's, like, kind of... Right. That's that's sort of the the weird the weird thing that uh, it, it it's very obvious that there's a lot of money flowing around. And also here in Lebanon, if you want coverage on TV, oftentimes you have to pay for it. You want the news to come and cover cover your uh, your electoral event, you need to pay whatever station, uh, however many thousands of dollars they're charging you. Uh, so so this is the this is the time uh, you know once every few years that the TV stations and uh, advertising companies they really clean up, right? That's correct, and they have an agreement among each other that you cannot cover any political candidates without being paid for it. Because if you do, that's an, an unfair advantage compared to mm. other TV stations. So they have an, an agreement among TV stations for that. So this is all super exciting. First off, we are going to take you through, our listeners, we're going to take you through really quick recap of the week, what happened, major headlines in uh, in, in the news and in the election news. And then uh, this week, we're going to be talking a little bit more about electoral alliances, sectarianism, because we've heard uh, some feedback. Please give us feedback, by the way. We love feedback. Uh, we've heard some feedback that maybe our introduction last week went a little bit fast for, for some of our listeners, right? So so we're going to try to take a step back and look at uh, the sectarianism and then how that plays into the various alliances that are going on. So I'm going to go back a little bit further than just one week. Uh, there, there's been this debate going on in the rhetoric of the electoral campaigns over Beirut, especially Beirut 2, that's west, the west side of Beirut, predominantly Sunni Beirut, uh, which the future movement, the, the main Sunni movement, has dominated historically for as long as they've been around. So Saad Hariri is saying, he's not naming Hezbollah. He's not actually saying anything about Hezbollah, but he is he, he's sort of hinting at it, making clear allusions to it, uh, him and, and other future uh, future movement officials. They're saying, oh, we need to keep Beirut to keep it from uh, outsiders, keep it from this Persian project. That, that's one of the big talking points, not only in Beirut too, but uh, in, in a lot of uh, future movement constituencies in the country. Uh, so, uh, on the other hand, we had then Nasrallah respond to that. Uh, he, he gave two speeches, uh, one on Friday, not, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, Friday the 13th, uh, and that was actually uh, in one of the suburbs of Beirut in Hadas. And he responded directly to this. Uh, he said, this is a proportional system, and this uh, Beirut is a large city. It should accommodate everybody. Nobody should rule over all of Beirut because Beirut is a very diverse place. 
to that Saad Hariri this week, he came out and he said basically the same thing. He's not altering his rhetoric. Uh, so there's this, this uh, back and forth going yes. on between uh, the future movement and Hezbollah, right? At the same time, though, Hariri is making a lot of news, and we're, we're going to talk about this later in the podcast. He visited the South this week. He went uh-huh. to Hespaia, uh, and <laughs> he went with Talal Arslan, which is the interesting point. Talal Arslan has a candidate on the Future Movement FPM ticket down there, which is weird because typically the Future Movement is allied with Jumblat, the PSP people. And we're, we'll, we'll go through and, and talk about all of this in greater detail later. The fact that Hariri went there, though, suffice it to say, with Jumblat's enemy is problematic for Hariri's relationship with Jumblat. And then he followed that up with visiting Shouf. Right, without exactly. coordinating. Without coordinating right. Jumblad, it's all actually. Yeah, this is a big thing now in Shouf. Uh, uh, Jumblad's P- PPSP's people are very m- upset, very mad at Hariri for that. He didn't coordinate, he didn't give Taimur Jumblad, the son of Wali Jumblad, the new leader of the, the parliamentary bloc. He didn't give him any space to make like a real speech. They didn't coordinate at all. They made it a future movement a rally and then they sent them an invitation which was seen as a as very provocative thing. So, yeah, the whole relationship between Jumblat and Hariri is now not very, very, not on its right, good terms. Right, so, and we, we're going to get a lot more into that a little bit later. Uh, also, this week, we had an issue in Metin. Apparently, uh, somebody from the Kitab party, or the youth wing of the Kitab party, uh, distributed a whole bunch of flyers accusing Ibrahim Kanaan, who is a rival candidate in Metin, of doing all of these terrible things, like v- being responsible for the so-called uh, landfill of death yep. in Bursamud. Uh, Kanaan sued. He filed a complaint with the public prosecutor over that. Uh, the guy responsible, uh, a young man named Elias Haddad, was arrested, but then he was uh, almost immediately released and the charges were dropped. Ibrahim Kanan just wanted to sort of make a point here. Like, you come after me I will uh, with something that I don't consider to be true or that is not true, I will make sure to hold you yeah. accountable. Uh, we also had uh, Safadi. <laughs> the... Launching a very harsh attack against Migati. Right. Well, no, no, he, he said you're, you didn't call Migati's list the list of Satan. But he said it was close to, close to close. being the list of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is really over the top, right? There, there's a lot of over the top rhetoric, but this was, was genuinely surprising, right? It was a leaked audio, I think. And that's why he was more, uh, uh, had a more escalated tone than usual. Uh, and he said things about like uh, Hezbollah being, having a project to take over the Sunnis in Lebanon and that the only way of fighting this project would be standing with Hariri, which right. is why he didn't stand up, he didn't run for elections and he's supporting Hariri. Right, right, That's right. That's what he said at least, yeah. Uh, also this week, just quick to note, um, there is, uh, the Islamists are unhappy. There's been a lot of talk in recent months of there being a uh, an amnesty for prisoners and those accused uh, of various crimes. There's been a lot of talk of, of that amnesty happening and it seems as though it's not going to happen until after the elections. They are very unhappy about that. So I think this is something to keep an eye on. Also, the official expat numbers were announced. The, I mean, the voting is happening this week. Right. So it looks as though there's going to be 82,970 expat voters that are registered. There's The fun thing about this is that a lot of them, like 15% of it, is in Beirut 3, which is where Gibran Basile is running. People are saying... North 3, you mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, North 3. Uh, 
Basile's home. <laughs> and so some people have said, oh, well, he keeps going on all these international as the uh, foreign trips minister. as foreign minister. He's like, there's something wrong going on here. I don't know if that's the case. Like North 3 is is, is full of a lot of parties that have a lot of international con- connections. So I'd, judge for yourself. To say the least. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So this is what people are talking about this week. So let's get into the sectarian background. Yeah, I think I think that's a very important aspect to cover in these elections election specifically to basically look at how lists are formed in different districts. So very generally, Lebanon has five main uh, religious sects. The, on the Christian side, we have the Orthodox and the Maronites. On the Muslim side, we have the Shiites and the Sunnis. And then the Druze, who are also considered Muslim, uh, in the parity between Muslims and Christians in the state institutions and the parliament seats. So the sects are distributed geographically, but at the same time, each district, each voting district, and we have 15 of those, has many sects in it. So what happens is that in each sect, uh, the political parties representing the different sects would be appointing the uh, candidates of their own sects in that list, in that district. Right, so so for instance, if if we think of I don't know like uh, Bada or someplace or, or maybe uh, if we if we take Shuf since you know that like so what is the breakdown of of the sects there? Okay, so in Shuf and Alay, it's one district, two districts, but one voting district, and uh, we have uh, two um, two Druze seats in Shuf and two Druze seats in Alay. So these are the seats where Jumblat and Erslan, the leader of the Lebanese Democratic Party, share the seats. And then you have the Christian seats, uh, which are basically up for competition between the Lebanese forces, who are allied with Jumblat and, and the future movement. And on the other hand, the free patriotic movement, the movement of Gibran Basile and Michel Aoun, which is allied with uh, Talal Islam. Uh, so that's, what's, uh, that's what happens, basically. They, sp- they distribute the seats according to the parties and the sects. Right. So there are so many Druze seats, those like, those candidates get chosen by the Druze leaders who mm-hmm. tell their Druze followers you need to vote for these lists with these exactly. candidates on it. Okay. So this is um, this is in general what's taking place. Uh, sectarian parties forming sectarian lists uh, in most of the districts. Um, but then you have different, they have a very loose correlation between the number of voters in each district and the number of seats. First, because you have the parity between Christians and Muslims that is not really anymore represented in uh, voter numbers. Right. Because as you know, like the the actual ratios now, we don't have any census for a long time. We haven't had any census. But since, since 1932 or something, yeah, that is, that it's something ins- insane like that. Exactly. <laughs> it's been, so it's now, been a long now time. Christians are probably the third of the population, but they still get 50% of the seats, which means that the ratio of seat for voter is much higher for Christians than for... Uh, so if you look at the number of voters and number of seats, you will see a very strange right just just for our our listeners that are new to lebanon like a good rule of thumb for actual numbers of like population numbers you can divide lebanon basically into thirds like one third christian one third sunni one third shiite roughly the i mean there's also there's like 18 registered sects right there, there's a whole bunch of other stuff but if you if you need to remember like the basics it's basically a third a third a third but like you were saying half of the seats in parliament are guaranteed to the Christians. And so the Christians uh, punch above their weight, basically, right? Mm -hmm. So although this is how the the lists are formed in different districts, you also have more local politics, which is mostly about um, local 
patronage networks and uh, historically relevant figures or feudal families in each district that have a lot of followers, uh, they have businesses sometimes, large farms, etc. And these people matter a lot in elections because they have very direct connection as opposed to national parties. They have very direct connection with voters and they can orient a lot of votes to uh, the political party that is allied with them. But in this election specifically with the change of the electoral law from majoritarian to proportionate, you have these many of these feudal families aligning with each other or with other minor political forces to form new lists. Uh, so this is this means much, many more lists in different districts, and maybe I can I can argue that this is the divorce happening between the national political parties that are closer now to the new bourgeoisie, uh, the bankers, uh, the real estate moguls, uh, the traders, rather than. Uh, the feudal families. Uh, so maybe this is another episode that is witnessing this divorce. Mm. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, though, with the the, the, the latter, the, the, the ones who are not on these main party lists, they're just going to get beat down, though, by and large, uh, because I the agree. electoral threshold is so fucking high. It is, it is not a proportional uh, system in any real sense of the word. You've got... Yeah. The lowest proportional is, what, 7.7% in Shouf Ale. Uh, you have to get that much just to get a seat. Uh, it goes all the way up to 20%. You have to get 20% of the vote in uh, in another district in the South just to get a seat in Parliament. That is not a real proportional system. And that means all of these other lists that you're talking about, that the, the uh, these... Might not get any seats at all. Yeah. They're not going to. Yeah, maybe a few here and there. Maybe uh, uh, Michel Moore... Uh, he's supposed to get a seat. You know, he's powerful enough in Metten to get a seat. But these other people, most of them probably will not be able to pull this off, even though, as you say, there's a lot more lists this time around. Uh, so let's talk about, really quickly, let, let's talk about who is the head of, like, who leads each of these communities, and then let's talk about who they're allied with, right? So you, uh, the Sunnis are like a third of the population. They're led basically by the future movement, which is the few, uh, the movement of uh, Saad al-Hariri, the current prime minister. He's the son of Rafiq al-Hariri, uh, who was uh, assassinated in 2005. We've got the Shiites, another third. They're led by Amal and Hezbollah. And then we've got the, the Christians, mostly divided between the, the Tayyar, the, the free patriotic movement of, uh, of Michel Aoun, and the Lebanese forces uh, of Samir Jaja. Uh, and then Jumblat is the main leader of the Druze. There's also Erslan. And then there's a lot of m- more minor leaders as well uh, with, with all of these groups. Uh, but the, the weird thing with, with this election, and we got into this a little bit last week, but we didn't really have time to really dig into it. So fasten your seatbelts. We're, we're, we're about to get into the... Uh, the crazy electoral alliances that are that are happening. Okay, so I think that a lot of the craziness that we see actually stems from from one place uh, in the in the electoral alliances. We think it's really complicated, but I, I mapped out everything, right? I went, I went through all 15 districts, who's with who everywhere. And really, it seems as though a lot of the confusion might just be coming from the future movement. Yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> so, so, okay, so, so let's run through this really quickly. Uh, the future movement is with the 
FPM in like four of the constituencies. Mm -hmm. They're with the FPM's rivals, the Lebanese forces, in another three. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's just weird to begin with. And, and the reason for this is, well, it goes back to these like these local political concerns. Somebody at the future movement and the FPM decided, oh, if we ally ourselves here in this district, we'll get more seats than if we go it alone or go with a different partner, right? Exactly. Uh, and same same with uh, the, the LF and all the other parties. So the, the future movements with the FPM in four, with the LF in three, they're with uh, uh, Wally Jumblat's PSP, Progressive Socialist Party, uh, the Druze Party, in three places, basically. But they're with his rival, Talal Arslan, in another place. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So... That's really weird. If you look, uh, if you compare the, this, do the same analysis for the other parties, th there's like a little bit of weirdness going on. The uh, the FPM, for instance, they are with Future in, in these four districts, but in, in a couple of places, they're also with the Amal and Hezbollah. Yep. Uh, Hezbollah, obviously the the arch enemy of the future movement. And the strategic part, uh, ally of the FPM. Right, right, right. That that's That's another angle to this uh, as well. Um, so the, the, the FPM is with Saudi Arabia's ally in one place, for instance, and with Iran's ally in, exactly. in another place. Uh, the, the LF is mostly consistent, I, I think. The, the interesting thing is the LF and the FPM are never allied. In no district are they on the same list. This is despite a supposed rapprochement Right between the two sides, they were going to be a united Christian front. I mean, they're they're the two largest Christian parties, and that just seems to have failed massively in this electoral gambit. Well, in my opinion, the electoral battle between uh, the Lebanese forces and the FPM is just inevitable because they are two, the two main Christian parties, and they have to compete over Christian votes. They are sharing power, the Christian share of power in the government, in the political institutions, in the appointments of important civil servants. Uh, oh, wait, wait, but that doesn't happen, though, with, uh, with, with Amal and Hezbollah. They're allied. They're both the Shiite powers, but they, they may, like, compete behind closed doors, maybe, but they're, they're allies. They are, they are on the same electoral list in every, everywhere that they're competing in in these elections. That, doesn't all, that also doesn't happen in the Sunni, uh, on the Sunni side, right? You've got uh, the, the predominant Sunni power, Saad Hariri. He doesn't have anybody who's sort of like an equal or close to an equal who's challenging him. So why does this have to happen in the Christian sense, in, in the Christian arena? I think in the case of Hezbollah and Amal, the partnership is based on the idea that Nabih Birri, the leader of Amal, is leading the legislative authority, the parliament. He is leading most of the Shiite representation in the institutions of the state, while he is giving legitimacy to Hezbollah's military uh, presence. So I think this is the formula between them. This is the deal. Uh, Hezbollah gets a lot of all the legitimacy it can get from Birri for all of this uh, its military activity. On the other hand, Birri is the one who employs more people in the state because Hezbollah has its own also its own networks of institutions, charities, schools, businesses, etc. So Hezbollah is less interested in taking a part of the state to um, serve its clients, while Birri uses this tool as the main way he serves the Shiite voters. Right, but why can't then? Why, why couldn't the Aonis, the, the FPM and the, uh, the, the Lebanese forces come to obviously not the same deal, but some similar kind of deal? Because they are competing over the limited number of Christian 
chairs and political institutions mm. and jobs, etc. That's, I think, why... Because none of them has anything to give the, uh, to, to the other, basically. They're just competing. Huh. Okay, okay. Um, that is really interesting. Uh, moving on, then, from, from that point. Amal Hezbollah, since we're talking about them, specifically, they're mostly on their own. They're, uh, they're allied with the FPM in a few places. But it's, it's a pretty consistent... They, they don't have this weird ideological inconsistency or political inconsistency with maybe like a couple of small exceptions related to the Druze uh, community, they're with Talal Arslan, I think, in in uh, in a, a one or two districts, and they're with uh, Wali Jumblat uh, in in Marjayun and Hasbaya, uh, right? So the, so everybody at, at least has has some sort of weird quirk, I, I think. At, at yeah. least all of the major parties have have a weird quirk where they're with somebody, but with here in in District A, but in District B. They're they're with that same person's uh, like mortal enemy, but yeah. out of all of that, the future movement seems to be like the big, <laughs> the big daddy. Yeah, I think the future movement is the party with the highest number of hybrid alliances all across the country. Yeah, um, and and that's like so, coming back full circle then to what what Hariri did this past week. This is why this is, this is so so important. He was down in the south. He made the trip with Talal Arslan, who is a Druze leader. So in Lebanese history, the Arslans and the Jumblats were just like warring heads uh, for supremacy within the Druze community. Uh, Typically, Jumblat is allied with Saad Hariri. They they form an alliance. So the fact that Hariri is now reaching out and going on a a trip with uh, Jumblat's mortal enemy, like historical enemy, is a really, really big deal. And it's part of the reason that Jumblat was unhappy with it. And then the other part was that Riri came into the Shuf, which is the Druze heartland, right? This is, Walid Jumblat considers this his home, his territory. Even though there are Sunnis there, there are, you know, Christians there, all of this stuff, it is Walid Jumblat's territory. And Hariri came in there supposedly, or reportedly, without coordinating with them. He, uh, uh, without um, trying to do some sort of joint uh, electoral activity. And then he he came in, went to Barja, and invited Willy Jumblat to come to his thing in, in Barja, which sets the stage for a, a, a rift between Jumblat and, and Hariri, wouldn't you say? I, I think so as well. I think also the close rapprochement between the FPM and Hariri uh, might be leading up to some sort of alliance after the elections. A lot of people in the Jumblat entourage are are now considering seriously the possibility of Hariri forming an alliance with Aoun, uh, one that forces Jumblat to choose uh, Nabih Birri as his main ally, um, the strategic long-term ally. Mm. It's very interesting. We don't know yet how the the post-election alliances will be, but it's very interesting to observe them. So with, with all of this, these tangle of alliances, all of this crazy stuff going on, the question is, what, what's the point? Why, why are we having elections? And why are we having this podcast? Yeah, I think, I think that's a very, very important question. What's the point of elections in Lebanon and these elections specifically? I think it is an election for the legislative authority, right? But it's really not about legislation. It has nothing to do with the legislation. Um, 
I, I remember this study by the Lebanese Center for Policy Studies, very it's recent. Where, where you work. Exactly. Um, so it mentioned that 15% of MPs' time is spent on legislation, and the majority of MPs spend most of their time on interacting with voters, which they explain when they say what their interaction is about. They say it's mostly about personal favors or about group favors, like a group of people or one person asking for a job, a certain license, or something that the state can provide. Um, so... All of the MPs in Parliament, what they're doing is representing the sectarian forces and the political institutions to, first of all, claim the representation of a certain sect, so how much of my sect I represent, and second, to advance their clientelist networks outside of the realm of the state or through state institutions to provide for the sectarian clients, basically. In, in, in a sense, the, all politics is local, but in maybe a, a different sense than than what uh, people maybe in the West are are used to. Like this is, it's local in the sense you need to provide services for the people who, who elect you and everything. Is that roughly? Uh, yeah, and you... it's very interesting, interesting that the boundaries between the private pat patronage and private clientelism networks and the state services is very blurred in Lebanon. So both of them serve the same project of these sectarian parties consolidating um, power and representation among their communities. Yeah, yeah. I agree with all of that. I would just add, though, that elections in Lebanon are also very much just about ego. It's a chance for all of the politicians and all of the big names in the country to basically see measure their popularity against each other. Who's, who's king of the mountain? That's yeah. it. Maybe, perhaps. That's up for debate, in my opinion. But yeah, that's a, that's an interesting way of putting it. Okay, well, I think that's all the time we have. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. The, this week, we, we tried a format that we think we're happy with, uh, starting out with the, uh, the recap of the week and then like diving into something. Please let us know if, you, if that is something you like or if you have comments or suggestions. What, what do you think? Do you think it worked? I think so. I hope so. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, let us know. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try to accommodate uh, whatever, whatever, you guys, uh, whatever you guys think. Um, next week we'll be back on Monday again with a new uh, with a new podcast, and uh, I think we're going to be talking about rhetoric. What are what are they saying? What does it mean out on the campaign trail? Uh, please follow us. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. We are probably on whatever you use to listen to podcasts on. Uh, if not, let us know. My name is Benjamin Red. My name is Nizar Hassan, and this has been the Lebanese Politics Podcast. Politics podcast is brought to you by myself, Benjamin Red, and Nizar Hassan, and also our brilliant behind the scenes producer, Susan Wilson, and uh, special thanks as well to our music band.